Hi, it's Dr. Neil Sivilla, and this episode is a conversation with Dr. Alexia Chikiris. Dr. Chikiris received her bachelor's degree from Rutgers University in 2000 and graduated with her veterinary degree from the Royal Veterinary College in London in 2005. She then worked as a small animal veterinarian and then was certified in acupuncture as well as food therapy through the Chi Institute. She studied herbal medicine with the College of Integrative Veterinary Therapies and received her Certificate of Veterinary Herbal Medicine, Western Herbs, in 2014 and earned her Graduate Diploma of Veterinary Western Herbal Medicine in June of 2017. In the fall of 2018, she joined the faculty of CIVT. She studied under ethnobotanist David Winston in his two-year clinical herbalist program and is working toward becoming a registered herbalist, which is the highest accreditation for human herbal medicine. She's also taking coursework in veterinary spinal manipulation through the Health Pioneers Institute. We had a great conversation discussing how she got an interest in holistic medicine, the path that she took as she was getting certified in various modalities, and what her practice structure looks like today. Please enjoy my conversation with Dr. Chikiris. Dr. Chikiris, thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. Was there a time, was there a distinct time that hit you that you decided you wanted to be a veterinarian? I was that kid that always wanted to be a veterinarian. Um, I mean, for some reason, second grade stands out. I don't know why, but I always wanted to be a vet. And then in college, I'd go through phases of, oh, maybe I should major in nutrition. There was like a brief period where I thought I should become an architect. Not sure where that came from. And then it, I always just went back to veterinary medicine. Ah, so what, <laughs> what did you study in under, undergrad? I studied biology. Um, I was an animal sciences major. And then there was like some class that I needed that I wanted to take like Italian cinema instead. So I was a biology major. <laughs> ah, Okay. So what was the fallback if you didn't get into vet school? Did you have a plan or no? No, no. And that was like my total, total panic. I had no backup plan. So I was just praying that I got into vet school. So how did you end up in London then for school, for vet school? Because um, my advisor actually at Rutgers, there was a student two years before me who was there. Um, and he was like, you should apply to this school because they're accredited and we have a student over there and she really likes it. So I applied there and I was waitlisted at Iowa and then London accepted me. And I said, London wins. Why Iowa? Uh, that was just where I applied. I have no idea. I can't ever remember yeah. where there- I applied to at this point. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That was my next question. Is yeah. that, did you have a handful or, okay. I mean, so I there, there might've been yeah. a handful. There, yeah, no, I definitely applied to several. Um, I just, I don't know. It's probably a giant brain block that I've created. Sure. Well, do you have a sense? What was the environment at that time? As far as being an out of state student, where was it friendly in England as an applicant? Or, or even in the U.S. when you're applying to U.S. schools? In the, it was horrible because in New Jersey, since we don't have a vet school, um, at the yeah. time we had a few seats at certain vet schools, but yeah. the chances of getting one of those seats was like slim to none. How was that? How are, how are those metered out? That's a great – I don't even know. I can't – Okay. I don't know how it was – Exactly. All right. So do you think your, your professors, um, that contact helped you get into school? 
I don't know if the contact helped me, but I think just the fact that the school was accepting applicants um, and that they were accredited, that was my big thing. I did not want to go to go to a school that wasn't accredited because yeah. the thought of having to do all that, the testing that re- is required when you come back, I just, I did not want to do that. Um, sure. And I mean, the difference with London was that it was a five-year program. Um, okay. And I didn't even go and visit the school, to be completely honest with you. They accepted yeah. me and I was like, Let's do it. My grandmother's in Greece. I can go visit her. So, <laughs> and honestly, I nice. I think it was the best decision that I made. Um, how do they, how does the five years fall against a traditional four year curriculum here? How is it different? So it's different in um, that first year. That's what I'm trying. The first year was like the basics that we still had here in the States. Um, but there in England, students come out of high school and go straight to their professional schools. It's amazing. So there were these like mm-hmm. s- brilliant 18 year olds coming into class. And as far as I know, I mean, the curriculum is the same. I think we had more, I think we had more training outside of school. So we had to do, I forget how many hours it was now or weeks of 60% large animal, 40% small. And we had to just go out and find where we wanted to be. So I'm trying to think of... How did those... I'm sorry. Oh, no. No, you go ahead. Oh, no. I'm just trying to think of... I I truly don't even know the difference of the four to five year. All right. How did those younger people in your class fare? Were they... Could they handle the workload? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, they were very used okay. to that sort of system. So in high school there, they focus on what they want to do. So they did all their sciences. Like they came out of high school doing uh, organic chemistry, where I did organic chemistry in college. Yeah. Uh, that's a lot it, of pressure. For it is. Person. And it's interesting seeing how many of my classmates are still veterinarians because you're 18 figure. I mean, and not that being 23 was, you know what you want to do with your life fully, but at least you have a few more years on them. Right. Um, yeah. So some of them went through and became vets. Some went through and became like ski instructors, which I'm sure happens here too. But I think that age gap does make a difference. Now I know in other parts of Europe the tuition is more affordable than here. Is, was oh God, it? Yeah. How was yeah, it for the for way your more okay. affordable? Living in London was more expensive, right. but I got to live in gotcha. London. So so what? <laughs> nice, yeah. So what happened after graduation? After graduation, I came home and I actually took a year of being a building manager in New York City with my mom. And I studied for the boards and then I took the boards and then about, so maybe it wasn't a full year, but it was something like six months later, I passed my boards and then I went off to a small animal practice. I, I toyed with an internship, but at that point I needed to pay my loans back and was it worth doing an internship? So I just, I got a job. 
in, in, New, in Jersey. New Jersey. Yeah. Yeah. I thought yeah. I had a brief stint okay. of, I want to stay in Greece and work here and work with rescue animals. But the, um, the sal- I mean, salaries are just nothing to be able to pay off my loans. So it was not, it wasn't feasible. Sure. Got it. So was it small animal all the way? No. From the so in, in vet school, I wanted to do mixed animal. Going into vet school, I thought it was okay. just small. And then I got to vet school mm-hmm. and I loved being on farms. I loved it. And then I came home to New Jersey and I applied. I went to a few mixed animal practices I don't know, just, it was further away from where my family was. And I figured if I was back in Jersey, I wanted to be close to my family. So where we are on the coast, there weren't many, actually, there was no mixed animal job available. So I did exclusively small at that point. Gotcha. So at what point did you get bitten by the uh, integrative medicine itch, the bug? So I had... I was I was in New Jersey at my first practice and then I moved up to Connecticut to be with my now husband and I worked at a hospital that was one of these giant 24-hour emergency they have every specialist there. So it was a fantastic learning experience. Um but after being there for a year, I was I was done. I was burnt. I felt like I had applied so much of my Metamax to everybody's ears that I was frustrated. And I went to a conference out in San Diego where my little sister was at college. And, you know, since I had just graduated vet school, essentially, I knew everything that they were talking about. So it was super boring, except for this track on acupuncture. And I hmm. sat in, and I should preface this, preface this with, I, I had been talking to, at the time I lived in New Haven. So I was thinking about applying to Yale for my master's in public health because I, like, I was truly ready to be done with everything. I bought this book on what can you do with your veterinary degree? I just, I, I didn't want to continue practice how I was practicing. So I went to this okay. conference and I sat in on acupuncture and it was Dr. Shea actually. And I was like, oh, uh. this is amazing stuff. <laughs> I and I didn't want to leave the room. I didn't want to leave the room during breaks. I just wanted him to keep talking and talking and talking. It was fascinating to me. Um, yeah. So it was pretty yeah. quickly after graduating, which I think I was lucky that I was able to find it that soon after graduating. Um, and it, it honestly saved me to stay in the profession. Yep. Yeah. So then off to the chief. Yeah, off to Chi because so in in that lecture he was talking about acupuncture for reproductive health and I had doctors tell me that I would never get pregnant so I went home I signed up for Chi I started getting acupuncture I was pregnant four months later and I was like this stuff really works (laughs) Uh, (laughs) it's amazing Um, yeah so then that was it and then I continued down the rabbit hole. Now, when you were when you were getting acupuncture yourself, were you also getting herbs? At the time, no. It was just acupuncture. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Yeah. All right. 
So you finished acupuncture and then what herbs came next? I finished acupuncture and then herbs came next and the whole Chinese herb thing, I couldn't, it was having a hard time wrapping my brain around things for whatever reason at that point. And around that time is when I found CIVT and I was like, oh, Western herbs, wait, let's try that. And then I was sucked in and found my true love there. So in between, you, you did the did some herbal mm-hmm. work with CIVT, and then you did their, mm-hmm. the Western program at CI, through CIVT, but also you studied with yes. David Winston. How did that um, happen? So I studied with David Winston from 2014 to 2016. I wouldn't advise this to people. Don't try to do CIVT and David Winston at the same time. But for some reason, I had heard that like this might be David's last class. And I was like, oh, my God, I can't miss it. So I signed up for David as I was in the midst of CIBT as well. And it was it was great. And honestly, part of me signed up with him, not just because of it's him, but I was finding so many clients were asking me questions about themselves. And even though I knew that, you know, for the most part, what we learn on the veterinary side, you can apply to the human side. Um, I thought, let me take David's course, not only for a different point of view, but also then this way I can say to people, yes, I am a certified herbalist for humans as well. <laughs> so I can yeah. help you. I'm not going to charge yeah. you for this information. You know, there's like licensing stuff, but at least like this way I was more comfortable doing it. Got it. So at what point on the professional side, you're, you're studying at Chi, where are you in practice then? So let's see, when I was at Chi, I, Chi with acupuncture and then, and then we moved, I had my oldest son and I was doing, I was a locum vet at that point, just because that was the best way I could have flexibility with a baby So Uh even in my locum practice, initially I wasn't doing a ton of acupuncture. And then the next practice I was at, I started with, hey, so I'm not going to charge you. Can I stick a few needles in your dog? And that was how then I would slowly start to integrate my acupuncture in with conventional practice. And then the same thing with herbs, honestly. I gave out a lot of free herbs initially in Let's just add this in. Ah, Tell okay. me how it goes. And then it helped. So they came back and I was like, sorry, I have to charge you this time. And then they were happy for it. And I would integrate everything. I would integrate everything in together as much as I could. So these locums, you weren't at, you, you were at a place for a bit so you could get some follow-up. Yeah. So, I mean, all it of wasn't the, like you were at a new practice every day. Yeah, all or, of my locums, honestly, were kind of this permanent temporary situations. So the one practice I was at for five years, another practice I was at for actually another five years was the other one. So I I did had, I had good follow-up with my clients. Yeah. That's great. It wouldn't have worked otherwise, right? And it was nice. You had Obviously, you had practice owners that were willing to let you do yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, my, my second, my this, my last five year stint before I opened my practice. Now, um, 
it took great convincing of my then boss. And then it got to the point where he would just be kind of standing in the doorway watching, going, what are you, what are you doing there? And then I noticed he had a little acupuncture flyer on his desk. And he was like, you know, I see differences. And so that was fantastic as well, being able to kind of expose other vets to the situation of what I was doing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you're going to, are you're in process to be certified for people? So, I mean, the, so I, yeah, exactly. Herbalist, yeah. yeah. I have all of my stuff ready. I just have to send it all in now. Ah, okay. So there's just a exactly. bit of a formal approval yes. process. And is your plan to, to officially uh, for money, so no, to speak? No, I don't um, think so. Consult for no. people? I just like, it, it's more a security blanket for me to be able to be able to say to people like, yes, I can give you advice. But then I also tend to refer, I like to refer clients out to other human practitioners. So do you get acupuncture Every other now? week. Great. Um, so you have a, you have a list of um, at least a mental list of professionals you would send clients if yes. they ask. Yes. Because, and, and initially, kind of initially I'm tried to make it a point to go and see every single one of those practitioners so that I was comfortable mm -hmm. referring people to who I was referring them to. Yeah. That's good. All right. So then at some point chiropractic, and then chiropractic came into the came picture. Into the picture. Um, and chiropractic came in because my, my okay. business partner was like, su I mean, she's like super chiropractor. And so I found that I, I, I watched her get really good results. So then I went to the health pioneers Institute, I think it was 2017. And I, I did, uh, I did Carl's chiropractic course, which was amazing. His understanding of neurology mm -hmm. is just incredible. So it was like being back in neuro. How many, how many were in your class? Yeah. Oh, it, no, it was. I was like, Oh my gosh, neuro, right? I understand these tracks. now. <laughs> Why didn't they explain it this way in vet school? It would have been so helpful. Um, it was his first class. So I think there were 15 of us maybe. Hmm. Okay. So what drew you to his uh, because to health pioneers? My partner had studied with him and taken his advanced neurology courses and that was the recommendation. So mm -hmm. I went with him. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. So at what point you you're doing the locum thing, at what point in this timeline do you do you go off on your own then or start or so change your I, practice style? After my first locum stint where then I was, I was starting to get frustrated because I wanted to do more acupuncture, more herbs. And I wasn't, I was limited. Um, I, I attempted a house call practice, which was a very good learning experience for me because I am not a person who is organized enough to be able to remember everything for an appointment. Um, so then it was, it was in 2003. 13 that I said, okay, enough is enough. I need to start 
just a holistic practice. I don't want to do conventional medicine because I was finding that practitioners would not refer to me because I, I did everything else that they did. And so that competition was there and they were like, Alexia, I really like you, but you're going to steal my patients. I was like, I get it. Okay. So that was then when I said, okay, I need, I need to start something where I'm doing just this. And then we can create a happy relationship with everybody else where patients can be referred to me, or maybe I'm referring patients out to a GP, right? And everybody does what they're good at and everybody stays happy. And then we're giving the best medicine to our patients. So it took me three years to find a location. Zoning in New Jersey wow, is ridiculous. I kept coming across in the town would say, well, you, what if you have dogs there overnight? And I would say, I'm not doing surgery. I won't have kennels. They're coming in for acupuncture and herbs and they're going home. Like, but no town could understand this. It was, it was crazy. So finally I found a location and it was literally a godsend because it was a spa. Um, and the woman at the town was super helpful and she helped me write my letter out so that I explained everything super and they gave us permission to go. And so it was 2016 that we officially opened. So when you started the house call thing, you were doing general yeah, medicine Yeah, I was too. trying not to, but I found people wanted that and I was like, oh. And I think that probably was also why I was not good at it because my heart fully wasn't in it. So it was easy for me to forget the vaccine at home or my stethoscope or whatever it was. So I think it was just, um, I needed to go through that to realize what I really wanted to do. Sure. So in this time you're looking for properties, you're still doing the house. No, that's then when I found my second like long-term locum practice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. House calls were just not my jam. And then were you able to do, were you able to do your yes. thing there or were you I do did traditional, traditional care? Then I, as well? he, that was the, he was the one who I turned him slightly over to the dark side and he, he saw the benefit of it. So that was really good. He would get mad at me because I gotcha. wouldn't recommend all the vaccines he wanted me to recommend. Um, but we worked it out. Got it. All right. So you've, you get the, you get the brick and mortar and you open and then you go off to chiropractic. Yes. Yeah? Yes. So we were in that location for like a year okay. and a half before I went to chiropractic. Yeah. So you took yes. a partner then? Yeah. Cause when we opened, when yeah. You opened. Cause my thought process was as, as a mom, I want to have that flexibility so that you know, God forbid someone's sick or I want to go on vacation. I want to have flexibility and coverage. And I quite enjoy talking about cases with people. So it was just another way to, to facilitate all of that. How did you find a partner? Actually, um, she went to grammar school with my middle sister and we had reconnected at a fundraiser for a local, local 
some local animal rescue. And I said to her, you're doing acupuncture. This is what I want to do. I'll call you when it's time. <laughs> and that's what I did. <laughs> so she was, she was doing acupuncture in a traditional practice. Yes, she was doing, she was doing equine setting? and small animal. Yeah. Mm. Okay. All right. And so that uh, your proposal gave her the opportunity to stop doing regular medicine and just yes, yep, do holistic care. Okay, so that was a yeah. nice clean break yeah. for both of you. Yeah. And does she continue to do? Uh, yes. Yeah. Large animal. Yeah. So she's half the time at our practice and half the time large animal. Exactly. Only yes. holistic. Yep. Though, like Only doing holistic. Kind of. Yep. Yeah. Okay. No, All right, so she's not no, tethered she's to another her own, practice. She's her own entity. Yeah. So, how many? How, say, how many exam rooms do you guys? So run? we run four exam rooms, um, and sometimes we can easily keep them all full, and sometimes there's like two in a room, or sorry, two rooms of the four used. Yeah. Yeah. Because sometimes she's out on the road yeah, and you're exactly, probably there. Exactly. Um, and so it's kind of gotten to the point now where we've kind of split the week up just so that this way we can we can fill our rooms as much as possible and stagger and you know, someone's doing laser. Um and I can I can keep people in rooms for as long as I want to that way. How do you how do your clients find you? But most of them, most of them, I think for the most part, it's word of mouth. Cause we do ask that on our, our intake form, mm -hmm. but, um, not everybody feels that answer. So it, I think it's mostly word of mouth and a Google search. And when we initially opened the practice, we really put in a lot of effort of letting GPs in our area know what we're doing, who we are, so that we could create a good relationship. And for the most part, um, there's a there's a pretty good referral system between us and GPs as well. How did you let them we know? We sent out letters and then we would call and say like, hey, can we stop by? Just to, to put a face to a name, I think is really important. And to see... Yeah who we are and, and you can get to know someone a little bit at least. I mean, certainly worth the effort, but I, I'm guessing that in the long run, it sounds like you correct me if I'm wrong, that your, your people are still finding you because they oh, talk to someone else yeah. who's seen yeah. you or. Yeah. And it's, and part of it is more, was also just like comfort for them to know this is who we are. So that if you have patients who come to see us, you know who they're coming to see. Sure. So what kind of things do you do to keep sane? Now, now? let's see. I keep sane with, um, I'm taking an art class on Thursday mornings. It is fantastic. And I'm getting my yoga teacher training. Yeah. Nice. It, uh, what kind of dis what, which yoga discipline are you studying? Hatha, and then nice. I'll go to Kundalini because it's fantastic. Have you? <laughs> are, 
Have you been a long-time practitioner? So I started going to yoga with my dad at the YMCA when I was in high school. Uh, And I've, I've done it on and off ever since. I mean, even in London, I was going to yoga then. So it's, it's been an up and down practice. I haven't been the most consistent practicer, but consistently inconsistent practicing yoga. So is it your is it your aim to teach then after you finish the training, or are you just using that to further your a study, little bit of so both? What I really ultimately want to do is to be able to help other vets and support them by offering continuing education along with personal growth seminars. So I feel like yoga and breathing is a really good thing that I can bring in to, to help other vets with our stress levels and quality of life. Yeah. I mean, the breath work stuff is amazing. Yeah. Just to be present, right? Certainly. You bet. Yeah. Can really change your physiology just with a few minutes of Mm -hmm. intensive breathing. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, so many of us have, I mean, myself personally as well, like burnt out and it's how can we create, how can we create a new environment so that as a profession, we don't dwindle down? Yeah, it's, it's crazy, the challenges that we face now. Yeah, so how can how can we support each other and develop new tools so that we can handle it all and enjoy it, right? Not just like handle it, but enjoy what you're doing again, instead of just going to work and the monotony of it and not enjoying it. I wonder, I mean, obviously a lot of folks in holistic medicine, that's, you know, it's been a kind of a right turn for them to give their career new and their outlook, a new lease on life. I wonder how many folks toy with the idea like you did about say, maybe a master's in public health is the way to go. You know, certainly a DVM gives you a lot of, a lot of, it's a nice stepping stone Mm -hmm. to a lot of different things. Yeah, no, it is. I wonder how many people actually take care of, take, you know, make use of that. I, I I don't know how many. I was at Rutgers talking to their undergrad pre-vet club and there were five vets there and one vet went straight into um like lab animal work after vet school and now doesn't he, like now he just kind yes. of manages and is a overseer but then the rest of us were all in practice but it's true i didn't i that's why i bought that book of like what can you do with your vet degree because again in my head it was you're in practice and that's what you do. But there is there is so much more that you can do. Yeah. Yeah, I think it just seems like some students get that from the get right off, mm-hmm. you know, as they're in school, they've got some goal that might not be clinical practice, but I wonder how many people actually turn in a time of crisis 5, 10 years in are able to turn yeah. things around and make a shift. And it, it's scary, right? It's and it's imagine scary if you don't know how to do that shift. Yes. Yeah. What do you do? Then you just either stay where you are or. Imagine. Right. So what kind of advice do you give the students? What have you learned through all this that you feel like you can pass on? The advice that I give students 
um, I, I tell all of them they need to really, I advise them to see a lot of practice and find a vet that they can work with and talk with. Because I think it's so important to, if we can learn, I know to say work-life balances, you shouldn't say that because it's, how do you want to manage your time and energy, right? And if you don't know how to take care of yourself Mm -hmm. so that you're managing your energy in the best way, then you're going to burn out. So if they can find a vet and see, are they able to do that? How do they take care of themselves? How do they interact with clients? What are the demands from clients? And how do they, how do they handle all of that? Because it's not just the medicine part, it's, it's your interaction with people as well. And how do you keep yourself well so that you can also have the energy to practice and be a good practitioner. So it's not just the science of it all and the medicine, but it's, it's everything else that's involved. So to try to get them to see the bigger picture of everything. And that's if you're in practice. I mean, obviously, if you're, it still applies no matter what you do, actually. Yeah. Do you feel like, I mean, you were, you're a relatively young practitioner when you started with the acupuncture, but not, yeah. I mean, you had definitely some clinical experience. Do, do you feel like it was the right amount? Do you, do you wish you would have changed your timeline at all or done anything different? No, I think it was good. I do. I, for students that I have coming through now, I tell them if they think they want to, if they want to use, even if they want to become exclusively holistic, I tell them they need to know their conventional medicine. They have to be able to practice that as well. But if they think they definitely want to use acupuncture, I said like I advise they if they can take the course during vet school, I would do it. And if they can't, take their time and when they get there, they'll get there. But I do think a solid foundation in in medicine is is totally necessary because I find myself now being second, third, and fourth opinion for things. And I'll be completely honest with them of, yes, you need surgery or no, you don't. Because people tend to trust, it seems like people trust me more when I don't have full skin in the game. Yeah. I, I totally agree. I couldn't have said it better. I, I, my experience yeah. is So if you is don't know how exactly to practice medicine, then you're not a great second, third, fourth, fifth opinion. Got it. So correct me if I'm wrong, but I would say that herbs seem to be your your thing, right? Yeah. So any regrets and, you know, kind of done, you did, we didn't talk about it, but you've done the food therapy and the chiropractic and, you know, the acupuncture. Are you, are you sorry you did those things or is it nice to have that kind of broader base and then just be geeked out on the herbs? It's nice to have the broader base. Um, just because then I feel like even if I don't use those things every day, it's something else that I can, I can go to if, if I need extra help doing something. Um, I don't think I did things too quickly, but it gave me a good, it gave me a good exposure to other modalities that are out there. Um, so then this way, if I want to explore more, within those modalities, I can. 
But if I don't want to, then I feel like I still have enough tools in my toolbox to use them. Sure. Anything uh, you think we we missed? No, I think it's just learn to listen to your gut and go with what you end up loving. Like whatever draws you in, go and learn a little bit about it. And then if it keeps sucking you in, just keep going. Just keep going. Don't stop. But take care of yourself while you're doing it. I think that's good advice. <laughs> great. I think this is a great place. Well, sure. <laughs> I think this is a great place to stop. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you. All right. Have a great day. Thanks, everybody. Thank we'll talk soon. Goodbye. Thank you. All right. This podcast is made possible through the generous support of the College of Integrative Veterinary Therapies. ZIVT provides world-leading education in natural medicine, including three accredited postgraduate qualifications, industry-recognized certifications, and a wide range of evidence-based courses and webinars delivered by qualified and experienced practitioners. By bridging cutting-edge science and tradition, CIVT helps you to expand your treatment options to tackle your most challenging cases. And whether you're a veterinarian, veterinary technician or nurse, animal health professional, or someone who wants to learn more, they have the right course for you. Investigate their offerings at civtedu.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, we'd appreciate if you'd take the time to tell a friend and to give us a favorable rating on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again for your support. We'll see you next time.